0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists who are working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Interviews are conducted with individuals who are doing clinical work, as well as leading attachment theory researchers. Your host, Karen Doyle-Buckwalter, will introduce you to Dr. Susan Hart, who will discuss the role of attachment in attunement and brain development. This episode is the second of a two-part interview with Dr. Hart, so be sure to listen to part one if you missed it. And now your host, Karen Doyle-Buckwalter.
1: So also, I think that's interesting too, because if you're looking at the different parts of the brain, you that's manifest in when you're looking at someone in different ways, you know, so... You know, you could look. You could be saying one thing, but um, being very fidgety or whatever, or, or something like that. Um, wow, this is so amazing! I really am excited. So, so excited to learn more about this. Let me finish my sentence. Um, but now, however, you know, your goal is to make this. Ex- accessible and practical for clinicians, and as you're talking, I'm wondering, wow, you know, that is really looking at a lot of different um, metrics and scales, and, and you know, how, how have you simplified it, or were you successful in doing that so that people could learn it without... Yeah. You know, a two week training and 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 a two year code of reliability testing oh, <laughs> like in the adult attachment interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, well like like um you know, when I talked about the
2: textbooks that you have to have the you know, where you where you need um. You you need knowledge and you know you you know, you haven't you need an education and then you have to have the picture books in the other end for, for people, you know, that haven't got they haven't got the time to read books and they're not very much into book reading. Yes. So they can catch a theory in a short time. Well we I've got the same thought about assessment methods. Yes. Uh, so, what you know, the emotional development scale, because it's developed together with Hogreif and we're making validity and reliability studies, it, you need a, a kind of certification to use it. And in our emotional mentalizing scale, we, you, you would need a kind of certification because judging mentalization is quite, quite difficult actually. Yes. And uh, using, um, you know, using MIM is difficult in itself, but using yes. it with psychometrics needs a kind of certification so what we've said to ourselves and when i say we we are four psychologists that have said to ourselves well you you you, we need some assessment methods that's very easy to learn and you can learn it from from you know a one-day workshop so we've made what we call a neuroaffective analysis and that consists of uh, five questions to the autonomic Level five questions to the limbic level, five questions to the prefrontal level. And then you've got, you know, like barometers where you, where you have a scale from, from uh, one to 12. And then it's, it's very, very easy to add up to see where the proximal zone of development is and what you have to focus on in your psychotherapy. So actually, at the moment, my my Anna Benson, one of my very good colleagues, and I, we are having our first um, workshop, and um, I think sixty five people are joining the workshop in September. I'm sure, um, <laughs> and and we have you know have them in, in a printed version, and we're talking about to see how it is to make an app version, ah. on, and an electronic version of the material too. And at the moment, Mayanna, because, you know, she's totally um, English, Danish speaking. So she's translating it at the moment to English because she makes a lot of workshops in Germany and Holland. So um, we're bringing
1: it out in English, too, now, actually. Oh, my goodness. And so were you able to keep it to a one day training like this training coming up with the 65 people? Is it one day? That's a, you know, that's a two-day training because we've made
2: uh, the neuroeffective analysis in a two version, in um, a very easy, light version and in a version that's a bit more complicated, but not more complicated than you can learn it in two days. Wow. But that- of course, that's this, you know, this light stuff that's not going to go through a validation and a reliability study process. Right. So leaving the other stuff for the valid- validity and reliability, and this stuff that's not, you know, that's just a help for professionals to find an easy way to find um, the child, the adults, parents' proximal zone of development emotionally.
1: That is just fantastic because I think that, you know, some of our assessments, and, and particularly the, the adult attachment interview, and as much as I love it, um, I think, you know, we because it comes out of research, you know, it's very rigid how it can be used. I mean, exactly. as you're saying, things like that have to be rigid in order for the research to show us anything. We have to be very clear who we're do who using it with, what populations, how that compares to others, and just that in itself, along with how it's administered and how it's coded, a lot of the coding systems are for um even the strange situation, other things are quite complex, exactly. so I really, um, real, because it feels like you're, sounds like you're, you're bridging that gap, you know, I think so often it's like, well, you do it this way, this is the gold standard, and then therapists are left with, well, I guess I'll do nothing, because I can't do that, you know, so the idea that you're offering something Purely for clinical application, you know, being very clear, I'm not saying this is, um, has all the psychometrics for research. Um, that is just great. You know, it's really thinking out of the box. It shouldn't be, but it really is, isn't it?
2: Well, I think, you know, it's because I've been a clinician for so many years. So, you know, you, you've got, you've got, a, you, you sense what's missing. Yes. And, and yes. I think it's so right what you're saying that you we've got these wonderful assessment methods but they 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 have been developed out of research and they're actually much too complicated for clinicians and the clinicians they don't have the time mm-hmm. i mean to make the transcription of a whole ai it's so
1: time consuming yes it is you just, you just can't do it Be, and that's just before, co- then the coding process can take many hours as well, especially if you're not super experienced. Um, so this is just yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um. You know, I knew when I read your first book, I believe, and you were talking about the trying brain. I oh, was so pleased because this is another thing where in neuroscience, it's like, oh, that's, over, that's an oversimplification, you know, the triune brain. It's like, it is useful for clinicians and for parents and others to understand this in a way that is accessible and can still make an impact. Um, so I just, you know, so appreciate all along the way where you're keeping this in mind, you know, I, I and, and of course, it's true. The triune brain is a simplification. Yeah, I'm you know, with
2: that. It's, it's an oversimplification too. But we need simplifications to use them in our clinical world. And yes, it's a metaphoric model. It's a heuristic model, true. But uh, in in human science, we've been using heuristic, heuristic models for for ages.
1: I can I can give you a loud round of applause right now. <laughs> <laughs> getting stuck on things like that, that is preventing getting this important information into the hands of clinicians in ways that really can have a positive impact for children. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you, y- y- I
1: think, you know, we really need simplifications. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than criticize them, we need to look for them, you know. Yes.
2: <laughs> So, and you know, I had a talk with Bruce Perry about this too, because Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he, he so often with researchers, uh, you know, he, he, um, he gets into these discussions about his, you know, model being an oversimplification. And, you know, as he says, we, we, we just need them. And it's, and it's stupid that researchers, they have to think that things have to be so complicated because then you, you we keep on having um, the ditch between the research world and the clinical world. And actually, we really need the opposite.
1: That's true.
2: We really need research to bridge together with the clinical world because otherwise we can't use research, actually.
1: Yes, we need um, a good feedback loop um, of what you know, once something's being released, feedback from the clinicians, you know, this is what we're, you know, this is what doesn't work. You know, when we were members of the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, um, we studied a variety of um, trauma-based models at at CHADOC. and what was really great was, you know, many times feedback from the clinicians did get back to the developers. For example, you know, if there was a group that was 20 sessions, the, the clinicians said, that's not going to work. Like we can do a group that's like eight to 10 sessions. So you're in here, out of these 20 sessions you've given us, these are eight to 10 ones we think were really the best and most effective. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we have, for example, just giving an example. And so then it wouldn't have worked if they just said, no, we're kicking in at 20 sessions and it doesn't matter if you can get people to participate in 20 sessions. I mean, that would not make any sense, would it? No, no that's true. <laughs> I mean, it,
2: this fits, fits all size model, isn't it? Yes. So, 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 you know, the, and, and actually, that was the reason why we made this neuroaffective analysis, because it gives you the possibility not only to find out what what's the zone of proximal development emotionally, but it also gives you a way of evaluating what you're doing. Yes. So, yeah. so after a period, you, you, you sort of make it again to mm-hmm. see if, if
1: any change
2: occurred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So... I know everybody listening to this is thinking, yes, this is what I need. I, I want to run off and figure out how to learn this. What, you know, what, especially, you know, in, in America, um, you know, what what's available to us to learn this? How, how can people learn to use the assessment you've developed?
2: Well, I think, you know, it... <laughs> Uh, you know the th- the funny thing is that uh, the you know be living in Europe, living in Denmark, um, it's it's very difficult to to go to the United States because it seems like you know uh, the states are so self-sufficient in everything. <laughs> so it's, it's why very why? is that, Are we putting on a great show? <laughs> <laughs> so in September I went to Australia, and and we go to everywhere in Europe and Scandinavia. But nobody invites us to the United States. I
1: think I'm going to make it my mission to change that.
2: (laughs) So I think, you know, because, you know, we are very keen to translate everything to English. And a lot of the stuff we have is already translated because being, you know, living in Europe with all these different languages, we we meet in English. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So so, uh, actually, we've got a lot of these things In in translation at the moment, and I've got only help in in Australia that wants to take it
1: to Australia, but nobody has offered us um, states yet. Hmm. Well, (laughs) you and I, after the podcast through some other forms of communication, are going to have to talk about that more. (laughs) Um, So you know, so getting back to you know, as we wind up here. And the the beginning idea that I also shared is, you know, many have said that that you are a person making neuroscience applicable to Mm -hmm. clinical work. And so I want you to talk about um, your books and some of your papers, or if you have a website anywhere, um, even though we can't yet get trained in the actual assessment, I know you have very useful information out there for folks. So could you share a little bit about that? Well,
2: there's, you know, there's plenty of, of, of is there a particular track you would
1: like me to take here? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, many tracks to go <laughs> so maybe somebody, maybe somebody who's really just learning to apply attachment theory to their work and trying to understand you know what is what is attainment have to do with this and you know what 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 makes this different than some of the other work I've been doing what should I pay attention to and learn about okay yes well to me you know I
2: I think you know my interest in the triune brain that is to think about that the autonomic level that is um your capacity for arousal regulation, your capacity for body sensation, your capacity to withdraw when you when you feel that something is uh, that you, you you know you really feel that something is you'd like to avoid or you want to approach something, and you learn that at very low, a very a very 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 young age. So the three first months of life is just so important to learn these basic parts in the brain, the stem, uh, the whole polyvagal theory fits into to this, uh, the whole way of uh, attuning, not emotionally, but, uh, you know, the beginning of turn taking, the beginning of, um, the beginning of um, uh, facial expressions starts in the uh, rhythmic, you know, all the Colvin Travartan stuff. You, that, that's really the basic part. And um, there's so much to learn, even when you see children, even adults. Do they have body sensation? Do they have arousal regulation capacity? Do they have uh, the capacity to go into a rhythmic transaction, turn-taking transaction with another person to be able to see that nonverbal level? And then digging into the limbic level, you know, the whole uh, research from Paul Ekman with um, facial expressions with um, with emotions you've got um, the the basic emotions um, um, and you see if people they're able to make the effective attunement being on the same wavelength together, which is non verbal capacity too, mm-hmm. even when we reach up in the prefrontal because The autonomic and the limbic, that's the first year of life, which is so important emotionally. So the whole foundation of our emotional capacity is developed between two people um, in a dyadic relationship where the whole attachment issues, they come into life. And uh, that's the zone of proximal development within the first year of life. Mm -hmm. And if... A person have not got that capacity and have not had the opportunity to, um, to develop the capacity. That's really what you have to look out on in the psychotherapies, even though the person is 12, 20, 30, 40 years of age. Mm-hmm. Because if you start with your verbal therapies, you're talking out of their proximal zone of emotional development. Probably you're working with the cognitive development and then you've got the pseudo mentalization. So when you reach into the prefrontal cortex, the whole development from one year of age to two years of age, that is delay of gratification, impulse inhibition, but not before the child is about two years of age. Then you've got the verbal life and then the whole mentalization process starts working on top of the autonomic and limbic level. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for me that we have we see actually see the nonverbal level to judgmentalization capacity mm-hmm. because you can talk to a very intelligent person that's been been uh, learning a lot of stuff, but probably it's pseudo mentalization if they haven't got the autonomic and limbic capacity,
1: yes, yes. Um, and I think. Pat Ogden and many who use sensory motor psychotherapy, and Levine and some of these others who pick up such nuanced behaviors with the body during therapy, you know. And, um, you know, that the but even,
2: even Peter Levine and, and Pat Ogden, um, they, because they work with trauma. So, so you know, what they, what their, way of working that is that you have to connect associations so you have to connect the autonomic and limbic level with the the prefrontal level and actually they don't talk very much about the limbic level they talk about the autonomic and prefrontal yes so if you talk with a person with a reactive attachment disorder that type of psychotherapy that's you know in a way out of the proximal zone of development because they haven't got the reflective capacity
1: right Right. And
2: actually, you know, in some ways, therapy is a better way of working with these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be- because Pat Ogden and Peter live in, that's about healing dissociation.
1: Yes. So this is, yeah,
2: that's a very but good a distinction. Because some people, even though they are adults, if they haven't had the autonomic and limbic levels developed, it's, it's a lack of development. So mm-hmm. what we talk about is lack of development, dissociation, and regression. Mm-hmm. And you have to have different types of psychotherapy dealing with, um, lack of development, dissociation and
1: regression. Yes. So one final, I keep thinking it's going to be the final <laughs> question. Um, so before you were using the scale that you developed, um, what were some of the most helpful assessments out there that you were using? So, this could, because I want, I want people to leave this talk yes. feeling like, oh, here's, the, I, here's something I can add to my practice, um, even though it may not be exactly yes. Dr. Hart's scale.
2: Well, actually, you know, before we we developed the assessment methods, you know, first years ago I used the the, the triune brain, the three levels. Then, together with my colleague Mar- Mariana Benson, we developed the neuroaffective compasses. And there's two um, textbooks that deals with the compasses, and and which we uh, all our um, our workshops and. Um, um, Yeah, all our workshops, you know, long-lasting workshops uh, are about how to use the neuroaffective compasses. And there's two books that deals with the compasses, and one is called Through Windows of Opportunity. And that's actually a book um, with Peter Levin, and um, it's about play. it's about... um, Aya uh, Essen, who is a German psychotherapist that works very close with Peter Fornigy. So, you know, they're presenting um, uh, a psychotherapy and we, Mayanna Benson and I, we, um, we transcript it into the neuroaffective compasses to uh, look at what, what are they actually doing in the psychotherapy. So that's mm-hmm. one way of getting into the compasses. Mm-hmm. And the other book, that's the neuroaffective picture book were well, written by my Marianne Benson. And, and that, that's 30 pages of pictures and 30 pages of text. And um, you know, so these two publications, they're very good at describing these compasses. And actually all our assessment methods, they are made out of the compasses. So it's actually mm-hmm. further development of the neuroaffective compasses.
1: Okay, and so the first book would be Through the Windows of Opportunity and is yep. that available on Amazon? Yes, it is. And what is the title of the second book with the pictures? Neuroeffective picture book. Neuroeffective picture book. Okay. Yeah, great. Oh, you're just you're just so amazing at at making I love the idea of a picture book along, you know, when we're talking so much about making things accessible and also in terms of looking at the body and nonverbal things and things like that. So, well, I knew it was going to be wonderful to talk with you, uh, Dr. Hart, but wow, I, I, this is just a fantastic um, opportunity and interview, and I'm really excited to be releasing this and, um, really would like to see more going on with your scale in the United States. So, yeah. Thank yes. you. And I think, you know, we
2: have a big wish, uh, um, you know, emotional developmental scale. I'm working very close together with a Danish psychologist called Jesper Birk, and he c- travels very often. He's got a close, uh, he's very close to Bruce Perry and neuroeffective modeling of therapeutics. Yes. So he very often goes to Banff in Canada. And, um, and, and I know he's going to present the Emotional Development Scale in, in Banff. Okay, great. And, um, I, you know, I have delivered my um, PhD now, and I'm going to make my defense the 8th of November. And uh, Bruce Perry is going, going, to, going to be one of the opponents. Oh, wow.
1: You're, you're you know, going to really defend this to, right up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. that's
2: great
1: uh, that's great so it's so true like, there's so, so much happening here yeah yeah so those are connections that will help move this work forward um in the united states and, and other places um, yes but as you say it's it's been easier to reach out to, to some other places well Thank you so, so much for your time and um, for granting me this interview. It was very generous of you. So thank you so much. And, You're very welcome, Karen. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye for now. Yes, goodbye, Karen. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site at the knowledge center at theknowledgecenteratchadoc.com or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to the knowledge center at chatoc.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.